HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Tabard Inn, new American cuisine in one of Washington, D.C.'s oldest hotels, located in DuPont Circle. For more information, visit tabardinn.com. Two years ago, a restaurateur building out his outdoor patio before investing in his interior dining room would have sounded like some sort of farce to be balked at by the likes of Mr. Wonderful in the latest episode of Shark Tank. But today, it just sounds downright smart. Unless you're part of the lucky few with endless streams of cash, most folks, in getting their new venture off the ground, have to prioritize how and where their funding goes. And in today's dining world, that can mean building from the outside in. Our guest today is Tariq Fallis, the chef and owner of East Village Lebanese Hotspot, Ozatar, home of the tableside shawarma, which if you guys go, which you should, as I did, make sure that you bring lots of friends because it's huge and delicious. And it's the restaurant is now in its second location, Midtown East in Manhattan. And we're excited to welcome you to the show. So thank you for coming. Welcome. Yes, hi. Thank you for having me. Pleasure, pleasure. So tell our listeners a little bit about Ozatar. It's definitely a very unique but super fun concept. Okay. Um, Ozatar restaurant is authentic Lebanese cuisine. A lot of the recipes come from my family, from my mother. A lot of the, like most of the menu is food that I grew up eating and recipes passed down from uh, my family. We. First opened in 2014 in the East Village on Avenue A and 12th Street. We have been there for a good seven years throughout the years. And every season or every year or so on, always there, there's rotation on menu items. Uh, menu items will be taken off the menu. New menu items will be introduced. Um, and then I always aim to have... I wanted to have something more, something additional than just dishes on the table where people just eat and, you know, have their dinner or full course and leave. I wanted to have something more memorable. That's where the table size shawarma idea came from, is to have something unique, memorable, something to talk about while the guests are eating and interacting with each other, Um, food that can be passed around because... Lebanese cuisine, Middle Eastern cuisine in general, and specifically Lebanese cuisine, Lebanese table is a lot about sharing dishes and uh, food on the table, breaking bread with each other, 
So the tableside shawarma enhanced that experience where a group of two, three, four, five, or six people can go and order that tableside shawarma and have an entire experience on the table. They get to slice their own meat. They get to carve their own meat, make their own sandwiches. Because um, like, since I was very young, I always felt you know, the, the view of that big score, the shawarma or gyro or gyro uh, or donner, that big score of meat on the street where, you know, the shawarma master has that big knife and, you know, carves the meat, slice the meat, make sandwiches for people. It always got my attention. I was like, wow, I, I want to hold that knife. I want to go there and cut some shawarma of that big stick, big meat. <laughs> So that's how I got that smaller machine, smaller rotisserie grill machine on the table. And we give machine to customers if they like, and they get to slice their own meat. Had you seen this done before? Or are you the first restaurant globally that you know of to do this? I, I have not seen it done before. Wow. I've seen table side experiences, right. but I've never seen the table side shawarma in a restaurant. So that table side experience it enhanced the, the experience. And we're able to introduce other dishes also as well beside the table side shawarma. We have guests come today to try table side shawarma. Next time they come, they try a different dish. They come again with other friends or family members or somebody visiting out of town and they try the table side shawarma again. They try other things. So we're able to introduce a lot of dishes through the table side shawarma also and spread that table, the Lebanese table experience to everyone. Yeah, the meze was also not to be missed, I will say. Um, very cool. Because generally the experience would be, you go to a Lebanese restaurant, you, you even sit without, like you receive food without ordering. You just go sit down and the food keep coming to the table. Just like we eat at home. You sit down, you're seated, the mothers, aunts, wives, whoever, keep making food and bring it to the table for everyone to eat. Um, so that's where the mezzi comes from. You have a huge assortment of little uh, dips and salads and vegetables, some meat mezzi also, small plates. And it's all meant to share, for everyone to share those little plates. And gets complemented with a bigger dish, whether it's uh, grilled meats or stews where also everyone is sharing. Tariq, you've recently opened your second location. Tell us what um, what changed, because often I feel like you hear people that like, especially now these days that like somebody opens a restaurant a year later, they got the second one, two years after that, they have five more. <laughs> it's like this rapid growth. Tell us how and why and when and what changed after uh, seven years to make you feel like you wanted another location? Well, throughout the seven years we are in the East Village, many customers, many guests would come in, hey, I wish you were closer to my neighborhood. I wish you were closer to where I live. I wish, you know, you come to Midtown, Midtown West, East, Downtown. Of course, everybody likes to have easier access to their favorite place to go to, whether it's a restaurant or any, any establishment, any business. But I was like, Okay, yeah, maybe one day possible, it's possible one day. But inside of me, I did not want to expand. I wanted to stay in that place and just continue serving the 
food I like to serve. Uh, when the pandemic started, I received a lot of emails, calls from customers that I knew and customers I didn't know. I know a lot of my customers' names. You know, after years, we got to know each other somehow, you know, somewhat. But I received a huge, many emails checking on the restaurant, checking on us. Everyone was asking, what can we do to help you? What can we do for you to stay in business, for the restaurant to stay in business? That made me realize that we have, uh, that we're able to build a good community of customers where uh, gave me confidence that expanding will help us grow our customer base, plus will help us serve our existing customers better with enhanced experience and a bigger space. So the First Avenue location, 1063 First Avenue, was recommended by a customer. They told me, hey, we, we know this great space seems to be available for rent. Will you be interested? I told them, sure, I'll look at it. I looked at the space. I felt connection with that specific corner, that, you know, the previous restaurant that was there. I felt some sort of connection with that space, with that real estate. Uh, I felt the space was charming. I saw, oh, Zata can be there and can be doing great things from that establishment, from that corner. Um, so I felt that connection. We pursued. It was in the peak of the COVID-19 uh, pandemic situation. So it was a good exercise to, I guess, stop listening to the news for a bit or stop watching news and just get busy doing something else, put energy and focus on something else. And that's what happened. I got myself busy in the new location and renovating the kitchen, building the outdoor, uh, demoing the indoor, demolishing the indoor, and making design plans and uh, planning the process of running the indoor and the outdoor seamlessly. So you had, so basically you made plans, but did you always know that you were going to start building out the outside first? There's a safe with Thomas Jefferson, I believe. I don't know the exact words. However, it says something like spend money from the money you make or invest money from the money you make. So when I saw the out, I, I knew the indoor would be costly and it's, a middle of pandemic, nobody knew what direction things would be going, businesses, restaurants, nobody knew what's going to happen. So I thought, okay, maybe I can start generating revenue, have a, one revenue stream while we build the inside. I looked at my options. What are we going to do? Deliveries, takeout. Then the idea of the outdoor came up. So we focus on the outdoor. We build the outdoor. We were able to hire staff and train them because it's more focused on one space. And we're working on the inside now. We're all working in the indoor. Were there any, are you, I assume you're doing, you've got your hands in a lot of the work that's happening on the space. Is that correct or? Uh, yes. Yes. Was there any issues with, with permitting and such as that and the health department with being open while working in the front of the space? Uh, no, we're able to separate them because the space is on the bigger side. So we're able to space them out to separate them. 
and have each section to be separated. Permits took a little longer, possibly due to the COVID and pandemic. Things are moving very slow in general, but it's moving. Things are moving though. So tell us a little bit about timing. So you got the space and then how long from when you like signed the lease, were you able to open out the outside patio? From signing the lease till opening the outdoor patio was about maybe four months, Wow, four to five months, even though the outdoor patio could have been ready earlier to utilize, but pushing the start button and something abnormal took a little longer. Right. Because the whole situation was abnormal. So this pushing that sub button took a little longer for me to go and say, okay, let's just serve our first uh, plate of food. And so right now, where are you in the process? Is, are, do you only have the outside open up at your second location in Midtown? Or do you have, um, or is the dining room open? And tell us where you are today. On the second location, the outdoor is open. We're able to do great service outside. The indoor is still under construction. Construction is taking a little longer because I had some dreams and visions before where if I go to another restaurant of things that I would like to do, and I'm, I believe I'm getting most of them or a lot of them done in this space. I'm getting some of them done in this place. What are some of those things that, that you, I assume you wish you had done with the person but now? Yep. For example, we will have a couple of bread ovens to bake a bread freshly in the dining room and have kind of a, a bread counter, a chef slash bread counter in the dining room. We'll have a live dessert station where it will be a kitchen, a dessert kitchen also in the dining room. Of course, in addition to the bar and you know everything else, the standard stuff. But the Bakery station is something I'm looking forward to. Something I'm looking forward to uh, utilize and share that experience with everyone. So what, what do you, um, so the inside construction is taking longer mostly because you're, you know, sort of have these like visions. Is it, do you think it's also taking longer because you're doing this in two stages or have there been any challenges with like servicing the outside while you're working on the inside? Yes and no. Yes, <laughs> in terms of um, during the day, the construction takes place during the day and we're not serving during the day. So when the construction ends, we set up the shop, you know, set up the restaurant for service at night. At night, close the restaurant, just set up for construction during the day. So during the they, we don't think of, in other words, they're working together. It's work in progress, working together. Um, takes more, more effort than just a regular construction site, but the challenge is rewarding. You know, challenging myself and being able to manage between both, the end of the day, feel some rewards. Right. Is your trick, is the, is the outside... Um temperature controlled or whatnot for winter? Is it ready for winter or are you planning to, to get inside up and then close the outside essentially once New York gets frosty? In general, I'm a big fan of outdoor seating, outdoor area, outdoor activity in general. Personally, I'm a big fan of outdoor. And I think it's still a little too soon 
to have everyone indoor, even though it, it's safe now. A lot of people are vaccinated and or they say it's safe because of, you know, people are being vaccinated and all that stuff. But if we have the option to be outdoor, I personally think outdoor is a good way to go. And I feel a lot of people share the same. We have a lot of people come even when it's a rainy day and sit outside. Even in the first location on Avenue A, many days can be very hot or rain or the weather is not helping to be outdoor. People choose to sit outside. So I'm not very worried about the temperature and the outside because we have heaters, we have covered semi-covered uh, structures. I would have to assume that the table side shawarma also leans in your favor to keep the food warm. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Definitely, yes. And we have some other interactive dishes also that we serve on a hot stone. Like we serve a lot of our meats on a hot stone. Got it. That hot stone keeps the meat warm for a longer time. And that's a traditional Lebanese thing or that's a pandemic response thing? I started doing the hot stone before the pandemic, actually. Uh, just because I wanted... You know, it, it enhances that interactive experience. You want your meat to be cooked more, it's on a hot stone. You can turn the meat, give it a few minutes, and it will cook more to your liking. That kind of thing. You're you're eating meze and having a drink and doing other things on the table, chatting. You got to the meat. I want the meat to be warm. I don't want it to be cold when you start eating it. Being a fan of like the outdoor dining, was that always part of the business and the plan at the original East Village location? And the East Village Wall was at a sidewalk cafe and uh, was appreciated from a lot of our customers. They like to sit in the outdoor patio. So the outdoor is, I think, is important to us. Important to me personally. I like I like the outdoor. I, I feel it gives a different vibe. For sure. So if you had to do it all over again, would you recommend this outdoor end building or is this the, the, this is the last time you'll do it this way? Sometimes going the non-traditional route can be dangerous, can be risky. And I, it is non-traditional to stop in a restaurant outdoor and then move inside or then open the indoor. In my situation, it, it's working. It worked. It's working. Would I do it again? I'm not sure. Like there are many calculations have to be considered. Many things have to be considered. Many things like the location, the neighborhood, the neighbors. It's just a feeling that a connection will dictate that decision, I believe. Perfect. And it sounds like you really connected with that Midtown East space, which is great. This episode is brought to you by Tabard Inn. Tabard Inn, Washington, D.C.'s quintessential hotel, is located on a quiet tree-lined street just five blocks from the White House. Vibrant yet unassuming, the tabard is comprised of 35 sleeping rooms, each unique in character and design. Feast on an eclectic American cuisine in their acclaimed restaurant, or enjoy a cocktail served on the beautiful patio, which has ample room for social distancing. Travelers from around the world find the tabard the only place to stay when taking their travels to Washington. For more information, visit tabardin.com. Um, we like to do a little lightning round with our um, with our guests, where we just sort of ask quick um, quick questions, and we we do the same questions pretty much with every guest. So, um, would love to run through those with you. Want to kick it off, Al? 
Um, sure. Uh, tell us what your your current. Well, before we do that, are the um, are the menus the same at both restaurants? Same same concept. Uh, for for the moment, yes. However, the Midtown location, the new location, will have a little different items just to have excitement happening. So you would go to the East Village one night. You know, a few days later, you can go to Midtown and try something different. But it's all under the umbrella of trying to have a unique dining experience, unique dishes, unique dining experience, and keep the food authentic. Tell us, uh, Tariq, what is your favorite menu item? Well, that's a very hard question. I'm trying to think <laughs> of one specific item. I can I, I can tell you my least favorites. Oh, I like that. We haven't heard that one before. And why is it still on the menu? Um, people love it. <laughs> I, 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 I might. Well, there are certain dishes you either love or hate. Okay, and I think, for example, eggplant is one of them. People either love it or hate it. I'm not a big fan right now, as we speak, of eggplant. However. We have a couple eggplant dishes. People love them. We sell a lot of them. They're very good sellers. And I think that's it. Everything else, I, I love. I love the food I make. If I don't love it, if I don't keep, feel comfortable making it, I just skip it. I don't make it. So then why, so that's why the eggplant's your least favorite because you just don't like eggplant? Yeah, we don't have good connection. I don't have good connection with eggplant. <laughs> for now, but things do change. But things, things do, do change. change all the time. Yes. You just haven't met the right eggplant yet, Rick. Yep. There you go. It's all about meeting that eggplant. So tell us, obviously, that that customer response is important to your bottom line and to, you know, increasing experience and all those things. What's the most ordered menu item on your currently? Is it the table side shawarma? Well, table side shawarma is definitely a big seller. It's ordered a lot. And then I can say that many dishes compete with each other. Like, we have to be prepared and have pretty much all our entrees ready, meaning ready to be cooked and served. We, we kind of, there are some nights where somehow everybody likes to order one specific dish. It just happens. You have 10, 12, 14, 15 different parties, and at least one person in that party is ordering a specific dish. Other days, it's a little less. The table side shawarma is a solid item. A lot of people order it. And they also order other things. So one specific item, a lot of the meat platters and the table side shawarma, I would say. Makes sense. That's what you're known for. I'd hope everybody gets it. Um, the our, our next favorite question that we love to ask is, what about your best food cost item? Okay. Now, this is what I'm, I think. What I'm going to say is against you know, business, restaurant business, and so on. <laughs> many, many times, I don't like to look at my food cost just because I don't want to cut on some ingredients. The price can be high in certain ingredients that sometimes we still, I still buy it. I still serve it. I don't cut it unless we're changing the dish completely or something. For example, peanuts, pinoli and peanuts are known to be really expensive. And I think some restaurants don't serve them or use different things, uh, different nuts. But we always have peanuts in the kitchen. We always serve peanuts. I look at the entire food cost for the operation, at, for, for the kitchen versus just one item. So things will balance themselves out. And we, we don't sacrifice the quality of the food. 
because of a certain ingredient uh, price. And there's some some menu items. It's like I want people to try it, even though it's it's costly for us to prepare. Could be food or labor. The food or labor cost is high for that specific item, but I'd like to share it with my customers, with my guests. So we 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 keep serving it. We don't stop it. How does like the labor cost work out on the table side, shawarma? Is that very labor intensive? Because I know there's like some presentation aspect, or not so much. It is very labor costly because it goes through different uh, stages of preparation. It's not just a fish you put on the grill or a pan or a piece of steak you throw on the grill. It's more than this. It's trimming the meats, marinating the meat, hand stacking the meats on those individual scores, and then the cooking process and uh, assembly process and all that stuff. But the hand stacking of the meats on the score is very time consuming. Mm, interesting. But the actual presentation part is not, not so much. Um, it's time consuming, but but the main part is stacking the meats, hand stacking the meats. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> the service team slicing or it's the customer? By slicing, I meant trimming the meats. Uh, right, 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 right. Butchering the meats. That's what I meant. Butchering the meats and hand stacking them on the score. So right. the the time consuming part is butchering the meats, whether it's a lamb or beef or chicken, and then marinating all those meats and hand stacking them on the score to make that tower complete and ready right. to be cooked and then to be served. Perhaps you should offer that as an additional experience. <laughs> come in and Coming in hand stack. You can start from the beginning of the process. <laughs> Get the true experience yes. to be the real shawarma master. You want to be the shawarma master. Yep. You got to start come early in the morning. Come early in the morning. Wash your hands. <laughs> Get in business to, to make your dinner. Yeah. There you go. Go ahead. Um, and our last favorite question is what has been your best business resource? can be a person, podcast, book, friend, whatever, article. Um, well, there, there are many good resources out there now. Like when I started the business 20 years ago, when I started into this business 20 years ago, the help was very little or the information was very little. It was not very easy to get information. Now, I think information is available everywhere. Anyone can access any kind of information at any time. And it's a lot of it is helpful information. You know, I use Google a lot for many information. I select what to accept from Google, which information, because there's many different information, but I select what makes most sense. Plus, we always have conversation with the suppliers, with our suppliers, vendors, with the staff, with customers. It's, all, it's always conversation. The conversation helps getting a lot of information. The feedback is very helpful to, to plan for the future. Perfect. Um, we always love to shout out uh, new restaurants opening soon. So I know the inside of Zatar should be opening soon. Do you, do you have a date yet? Uh, not yet. No specific date yet. And what about, do you have any other friends or restaurants that you've been to recently or that you know are opening soon you want to let our listeners know about? Well, few weeks ago, I was a judge with at, at a, like a food network challenge. 
with Chef Aisha from Shuka. Oh, we love Aisha. Yes, their new location just opened after two years. Well, that was my first time to meet her. Yeah. At that event. And she was great. We had a good time together. I felt I knew her for many years before. And I'm looking forward to go to her restaurant, to Shuka. It's just between my schedule and me being in the kitchen all night long, it's kind of hard to make it there yet. But it's the first restaurant I'll be going to as soon as I have time. <laughs> Give yourself a day off so you can go. Yes. Cool. Yeah. Uh, just one other one. I don't know if you had any, but uh, one in Greenpoint that's just down the road from where we live is Nura, Brooklyn. I think that just opened this past week. So we're excited to check that out. Um, that's all I got. Well, I assume that there will be lots more coming in the near future. I feel like fall in New York is usually a hot time for new restaurants. So we're looking forward to that and we're talking to more people. Um, Greek, tell us how we find you and the restaurant on social. Instagram. My Instagram is Tarek underscore Falus. And the restaurant is Ozatar, A-U-Z-A-A-T-A-R. Cool. Great. And you can find us at We Are Opening Soon and at Tillet NYC. Thanks so much for listening and thanks for joining us, Tarek. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Have a great day. Opening Soon is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org, and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You could also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.